You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How is everybody doing uh, as we're getting closer and closer uh, to the player arrival on July 24th? Uh, first practice July 25th as the Cleveland Browns embark on the 2019 season. Um, again, guess it's most things Browns-wise, it's quiet. Um, good. It's good. Uh, Baker Mayfield, uh, now a married man, him and his wife. Uh, so, you know, congratulations, obviously, to now the Mayfields in that. Uh, we're going to get through your daily delivery here on all thing, of all things Dog Pound on Locked On Browns, brought to you tonight by Hotels.com. Still enough time. Uh, use Hotels.com. Get rewarded everywhere. Be there. Do that. Find a way to sneak away here for a little bit. Enjoy your family. Enjoy, you know, obviously, the significant other. Something here just to make a little bit of a memory uh, of the summer that will be 2019. Your local experts on the biggest stories. Um, and we've actually talked about a little bit on this, so wouldn't, we'd be remiss not to even mention it today. Uh, but the final, obviously, ended up today. Uh, U.S. women's team with a 2 nothing victory over the Netherlands. Um, Netherlands did everything they could, but, you know, when you're basically trying to slay the dragon, Pete, you can't have one simple miscue, because it's usually going to be the one that's going to be the dagger, and there was no doubt about it, you know, the dangerous play, the high kick, led to the penalty kick, and, I mean, and you could just basically, you know, the old, you know, the proverbial air out of the balloon, and that was it for the Netherlands, but, you know, uh, regardless, just an amazing run by these women, never trailed, uh, most goals ever scored by a women's team in the World Cup, uh, basically, you know, did the damn thing, set out to destroy the competition and, and make this tournament nothing but them, and it's 100% what they did. Uh, yeah, the uh, Dutch goalkeeper is unbelievable. Uh, the U.S. had the ball in their half for basically the entire first half and couldn't crack through, and, it, and, and at times it, they were, they, especially in the second half, even after they, they scored, they, they were like almost afraid of the goalkeeper to like, Shots they'd normally take, they weren't taking, and they tried to avoid and get into other shots and actually screwed them up on a couple occasions. Um, yeah, I mean, look, they they were obviously the clear favorite to win this thing. Uh, you know, they're the number one team in the world. They, they, you know, they obviously were not afraid to tell people who they thought was the best team in the world, and, and there was pressure that came with that. There were uh, any number of people – uh, that wanted to see them lose and sort of, you know, rub their face in it. And ultimately they were able to get through it uh, and, and win in, in pretty dominating fashion. I mean, they, they, they were never uh, behind in any games. Uh, best they, best they ever faced was basically being even a couple times and, and having some scoring chances uh, against them. But they, uh, the, the biggest thing is just, they, you know, they gave up some goals and such throughout the tournament, but they, they just they have the ball such an overwhelming amount of time that it's really hard to beat them. Everything's on some counterattack or, or some miscue. Uh, but in general, it's just they don't give you the ball and they just take a million shots and eventually they're going to they're going to find a way. And they've got enough talent and enough star players that even when, you know, the sort of headliners go out, they've got more people that come in and are, are uh, can play at an unbelievably high level in their own right. So uh, they did everything they were asked to do. They they were outstanding, and and now hopefully um, there there's some new conversations about you know pay equity and some of those things, and maybe having a better uh, you know expanding some people's definition of what patriotism actually is. And it should be all good stuff. And there are a bunch of very nice stories out there, like Megan Rapinoe's brother. Uh, you know, him dealing with addiction and, and getting out of jail uh, to see this tournament and stuff like that. So there's, you know, it was fantastic. And, and the tournament in general was very well done for the most part. Uh, you know, again, I've said before, I, I think the women's game is far more interesting and compelling and competitive than the men's game. I enjoy, uh, you know, for, for the amount of soccer I watch, I, w- I would much rather watch um, the women play soccer than the men. Um, well, obviously, for me, you know where it lies. Obviously, with, with the amount of coaching that I do, and you know, I've mentioned, you know, of course, obviously, a bunch of texts going back and forth with a bunch of my players today. Um, it was actually something because some of my players were actually coming at me with stuff that I come at that that, that that with, and this is actually goes right in line with what you were saying is, you know, they were getting they were inside the box, but they were so 
understanding of how good she was, like they were trying to make everything perfect. And this is what I always preach to my kids: Look, it ain't gonna be perfect, but you can still make the shot. You know, you 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 you're trying to create the perfect angle and this, that, and the other thing. And sometimes, you know, you think too long, you think wrong, which is you know what I go with with the don't make it perfect thing too long. You probably gonna end up thinking wrong. And you know, the, the goalie was definitely in their head for a while. Obviously, the PK opened things up, and then I mean, at that point, you were just asking, you know. And you could even see her. She was getting a little frustrated with the defensive players in front of her. And Gosh, it's getting too easy, man. They keep coming. They keep coming. There's so much I can do. There's only so much I can stop. And then, obviously, uh, Lavelle with the one that just absolutely sink, you know, just clinched it. And, I mean, you could just, yeah, I mean, you saw that one coming a mile away. You know, she took the ball at midfield, and it was just dribbles, dribbles. Nobody was coming to stop. And it was just like, all right, here. I mean, you just knew she was going to wind up. Absolutely gorgeous goal, um, you know. And this is what maybe some people don't understand. You know, next time the you know World Cup rolls around, you're talking about people like Megan Rapino, um, you know, Carly Lloyd. You know, these women probably aren't going to be a part of it. I mean, they're going to be almost likely aged out. I mean, it's a lot of work to keep the athleticism. You know, at, you know, at the age now, you're talking four more years for these women. It's 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 just great difficulty. So you're moving on from some women who made this product what it is, and now we'll start to learn more about the next generation of names of you know who hopefully can keep this product what it is the nike commercial was outstanding um these ladies these women today just went at it um obviously you know the one lady uh, the one young lady left with the concussion uh sour brawn you know you saw her busted open and, and i don't really even know what they do <laughs> they did Peter. i mean it looked like they just took a whole bunch of tissues slapped it on her head and they just basically took some athletic tape and wrapped it around but i mean it, it just goes to show what it's like that important you know men women it doesn't matter i mean it's this is the ultimate goal you're trying to get it and it was just awesome to see in that respect. Uh, the the, the one-minute Nike commercial was absolutely freaking fantastic and brilliant. Uh, yeah, Rapino's brother, obviously, you know, living in somewhat, I guess, in a halfway house. You know, him and a bunch of the other guys, you know, trying to you know get their lives back on track after years of addiction issues. And here's a whole bunch of guys who probably didn't know nothing. And all of a sudden, now you're sitting there and you're like, Wait, that's your sister. And it, just the whole thing of that. But uh, y- you truly, you, know, you appreciate it. And it's, you know, something... And obviously, I'm taking a lot of heat on this today. And look, you know, I, I think they deserve, you know, I think they deserve a better standing. I think they deserve better recognition. Uh, you know, you know, the men's team is apparently playing Mexico tonight in something that's called the Gold Cup, whatever that is. Um, there will be no U.S. men's run in the World Cup. Um, give the women their due. And, you know, I've got people here, you know, <laughs> just don't be the guy to piss on the party. Look, if it really bothers you that much, you know, leave the social media away. Just walk away. Maybe today is not for you. Uh, but don't discredit it because for these, some of these women, that'll, you know, this is the biggest field, biggest accomplishment they'll ever get to compete for. Uh, the rest of that stuff from all you guys is just nonsense. Uh, Pete's going to give you some nice words here from the good folks over at Blue Chew, and uh, we got some fun stuff we're going to get into. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's Blue Chew season. Summer, drinking, uh, you know, the things that come with that, and, and uh, you know, thinking thinking you're in a better spot than maybe you are. Uh, Blue Chew's there to help you out. Make sure you uh, provide your A game. Uh, make sure you have the consistency and if necessary, like uh, Dylan Windler, who's not playing today. Uh, perhaps if you've got that quick release, you need you need a reload. Um, look, uh, this is this is the opportunity for you to, to to beat the machine, and and hopefully, if you're smart, you're you're unlike Jeff, whose uh, marriage is currently in shambles. Uh, <laughs> You need to make sure you're you're uh, giving the good stuff, so the wife ha- has one of, one more reason to keep you around. As as uh, you know, Jeff blew his blew it on the birthday, and uh, he's paying for it now. It's blue like the color, blue like Jeff blew it. Uh, blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the FD, the same FDA approved active ingredient as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're doable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Uh, guys, with the promo code of all caps, C-O-D-E, code, um, get, you know, go check it out. Um, you know, uh, you only get so many at-bats. And if you're going to go up there, you better be going up there with a the goddamn Louisville slugger. So be ready to compete at all times. Thanks to the folks at Blue Chew for the sponsorship of Locked on Browns. Um, now here's an idea. I actually um, I, I forget who's doing the pieces over uh, for the Draft Network on this, and I actually do kind of. It's a interesting concept, and it's one, two, three, four, five, six. I think it's seven or eight, and it's you know a bunch of different topics. We're going to get to this here Browns wise. A uh, good way to get an episode in, and obviously get some names out there, and obviously some Pete, things. Pete's anticipating this season where 
things I'm anticipating this season. Um, basically, just you know, listing you know, fit player into said hole. So, uh, without further ado, the Browns 2019 superlatives. We started off, Pete, with the Browns 2019 breakout guy. Uh, according to what you sent me, it's from uh, courtesy of Joe Marino. Okay. Um, breakout guy uh, for me is David Njoku. Um, everything is in place. Obviously, he he played mo- much better in the second half of 2018, and certainly his best last month. Um, you know, his own development should make a big difference going into 2019. And then you add in some of the factors that are out of his control or n- unrelated to him, like adding Odell Beckham, and, and there's every reason to believe that he could have just an absolute monster year in terms of number and sort of establishing establishing himself as a true big-time tight end. Uh, you know, as as Bengal fans like to point out, Joe Mixon led the AFC in rushing last year. Uh, David Njoku was eighth among tight ends in the NFL in receiving yards, and I don't think a lot of people actually realize that. But And most but he, of it was only over the second half. He's he's close, uh, and it's you know he just has to put forward a consistent year, and he's going to get to that point. Uh, I have David Njoku slated for another one of these. Um, obviously, you know, I, I do feel he would have fit here, uh, breakout guy wise. But uh, look, it's it's nothing against David. Obviously, you know, we're all you know definitely in the same boat as far as the player he can be. For me, the breakout guy for the 2019 uh, Cleveland Browns, and I actually can't believe this. And you know, look, we'll. Take the L's when we take them. Uh, obviously, hated the selection of Antonio Callaway, um, you know, in 2018. Um, did nothing to, you know, do anything but just basically tell Pete and I to kind of shut the hell up as the season went on. There were some phenomenal weeks. There were some weeks where he kind of just wasn't in the game plan. Um, but I think with what he can bring and the fear, the living fear that Odell Beckham puts into a defense you know, you want somebody who can maybe do some things similar, some guys who can catch a quick slant and take it to the house because you can't put the necessary, you know, coverage or attention to him due to the fact that number 13 now plays here. Uh, the fact that he can beat people deep. Um, you go back to the catch it, and, you know, obviously the first big play he made week two at New Orleans, you know, where, I mean, he literally looked like an outfielder where he, where the hell did he come from? And there's going to be a lot more advantages for Antonio Callaway to get one-on-ones and go deep. And, you know, there's, you know, not as many people in the league that can run with him in that respect. So for me, my 2019 breakout candidate for the Cleveland Browns uh, will be Antonio Callaway. This one here, this one's going to be interesting just due to the fact that we've talked about a ton, guys, about how fortunate the Browns were health-wise, in 2018. Uh, but without that, Pete, take it, I mean, with that, Pete, take it to the T, the comeback kid for the 19 Browns. Um, I mean, the hope is it's going to be Chris Kirksey. Um, he, they, well, first they need him to. Uh, but he obviously missed a large portion of the season with injury. He uh, filled in admiral, admirably in, in the game uh, against Tampa with Joe Schobert out. Um, hopefully the coaching uh, helps in that regard, but he's just to be better because last year he, he, he struggled, especially in coverage. And the hope is that he can step up because, you know, they've got two veteran linebackers and every, the be- next best guy is a rookie, uh, most likely, or it's a special teams guy. I mean, they've got nothing behind him. So they have to hope it's, it's Chris Kirksey, not that he's a kid. Well, I think comeback hit is just the clever way of saying it. Um, now, this one, like I get, with, with the injuries, makes it extremely, extremely difficult. Obviously, you know, the first, obviously, thought is Christian Kirksey um, to maybe give a second name. And, I, and I'll just say it from this for Greg Robinson. Can you come back and be at least who you were last year as Greg Robinson? Can you be that? Because, look, you know, there's there's a really long history of Greg Robinson not doing anything in this league. Then Greg Robinson was put out there because they finally said enough with the Desmond Harrison experience. Um, and not to say Greg played at a Pro Bowl level. Nobody's going to, you know, nobody's going to mistake that or mask that, you know. Um, he was what he was. But the thing is, can he still come back and at least be the 2018 version of Greg Robinson? A, because you need it and you're in some serious trouble 
if he's not, because you don't know where you're going after that as far as your left tackle position. And B, just because, look, I mean, you like to see guys shake off a bus label. And if, you know, uh, obviously Bashard Perriman can go on to a one-year $5 million contract somewhere else. And Greg, Rab- Greg Robinson can hopefully cash in. Um, you want to be able to have the ability to where some of these teams and some of these players who, you know, flame out early, but they're, you know, on paper as athletic specimens, they have some pretty good skill to them, and maybe it just didn't work out. You want yourself to be, you know, you want your team to be a place where these guys go, well, maybe I can go there and, you know, I can go the Paraman route. I can go the Greg Robinson route, and you can get yourself some really talented football players without either A, having to give up much, or B, not paying them much for why they're here. So, uh, you know, obviously, Christian Kirksey is probably the supreme answer that fits this one. But if Greg Robinson can at least come back and be the Greg Robinson we saw in 2018, that will be huge and beneficial to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, That will bring us to the next one, a rising star on the 2019 Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I've got Joe Schobert. Um, He's obviously made the Pro Bowl two years ago, and you can argue how, you know, if if that was legitimate or not, it is an alternate. Um, Last year he was very good, uh, but then struggled with a hamstring, and you've got people complaining about tackles and run defense, whatever. Um, You know, this year – hopefully healthy for the whole year and the pieces around him in place to sort of unlock all of it, which is essentially saying that in 2017, he was a really good run defender. 2018, he was a great pass defender. Uh, And then 2019, hopefully it's all of it. Um, Everything's in place for him to be a star player this year. He's, he's a top 10, top 11, you know, if you want to go with Doug Farrar, Linebacker in the league, uh, at this point, at the very least, you have to concede he's in the top 50. The team set up around him. He's got 2017, where he's a great run defender. 2018, where he's a great pass defender. Uh, the defensive line sort of wasn't good around him. Now Sheldon Richardson's in there. It just sets up so he can be the total package this in 2019. Uh, you know, pass rush, much better. There should be more obvious situations so he can hopefully cause more turnovers in the, that part of the game. He's a good blitzer, and if he's healthy, he can hopefully make more impact plays in general. Uh, but it just sets up so well for Joe Schobert to have a career year. Um, and that's even one thing, though. It's you know one thing that is often overlooked, and I think it's probably people who only you know only know Joe Schobert as a Cleveland Brown. Um, Joe Schobert was you know pretty well versed as a pass rusher coming out of Wisconsin. That's one thing that a lot of people liked about him, and obviously the athleticism that goes along with it. Um, so I'm okay with that prediction. I did say I had David Njoku slated in this list, but in a different spot. Um, when you talk about the athletic freak that David Njoku is, you talk about the fact that he is still just a baby, uh, learning the game still on the fly at the, on the NFL level. Mix in the fact he plays with a quarterback as accurate as Baker Mayfield. Mix in the fact that Baker Mayfield himself discovered what is the easiest way to get David Njoku going. It is make sure the belt, you know, make sure the ball is above the belt. You know, don't ask a long man to have to do a big, tall, long guy like David is to do things that even still, though, I mean, you expect every guy to make the catch, but you want David, you like the fact that he has, you know, the yak ability. He was, uh, I do believe he was either second or third on the team in 2018 alone in yards after catch. Don't, you know, don't dismiss that. Get him to a position where he can catch it and still do, do some damage with it afterwards. Um, obviously, so hitting him in the numbers goes with that route. Um, so I just think David Ajoku, with his age, with the production you saw over the second half of the year, and look, uh, you know, nine times out of ten, if you're a defense, you're going to try to take Odell Beckham away here. Um, and look, even if you put two people, and we saw that in the first preseason game last year against the Giants in the back of the end zone, you put three people on him. It doesn't matter. He's six foot five with a forty inch vert. There's just things David Njoku that other people can't do. Um, and you know, obviously now we are seeing an amazing, an amazing amount of tight ends in this league right now. Whether it's Kittle, obviously Travis Kelsey. Um, you know, it's not just Gronk. Obviously, you know, NFL's moved on from Gronk. It's just you know, it's just not one name anymore. There is some really, really fantastic young tight ends in this game, and there is no reason to believe for a second. That David Njoku, you know, if he gets the proper amount of targets, should be mentioned in the breath the same as those other guys. Because I mean, he's got the resume, he's got the athletic profile. So for me, the rising star will be 
David Najoku. Um, next one uh, for the 2019 Browns superlatives would be, don't forget about whom, Pete? Yeah, I've got uh, J.C. Treader. Um, for whatever reason, despite, you know, playing through the injury he played through and being, you know, very good, uh, you know, depending on where you look, he's, he was a fringe top 10 center on one leg. Um, it, you know, we did the pod where he was clearly the best uh, in the division, and yet there are people that seem to be very have made with or are very comfortable with the idea of letting him walk after the season. Uh, I think if he's healthy uh, and people stop falling on him, he he may end up with some postseason accolades. Uh, he gives you athletic traits that are rare in the center. You know, he has the ability to do things like pull and offer some different type of protection ability uh, in terms of moving the pocket and, and those type of things that are unique uh, and, and very few teams can do them. Obviously uh, Jason Kelsey is one of those guys that can, can do that. And, and Treader's got the athleticism to do that. In addition to the fact he's, you know, a guy that uh, Baker may uh, and and ha- makes protection calls and does all those little things. So uh, I think he's you know, another guy, health permitting. He's going to be have a fantastic season. Uh, I don't disagree there. And uh, obviously, you know, Pete's um, love a treader. But the other thing though is, is when you talk to players who play. Um, have played, you know, with him. Obviously, you know whether it was Joel or whether it was Kevin Zeitler, and how much they speak well of, and the lengths they were willing to go to, to you know, to speak on J.C. Shredder, and you know, a number one, how much he takes the job seriously. Uh, number two, you know, how much detail he puts into everything. Uh, J.C. Shredder definitely an undervalued, underappreciated asset, probably by a lot of Browns fans, and. Uh, the other thing is, is, you know, maybe you don't want to disturb the relationship uh, that you now second-year quarterback has with the center, which is, seems to be a really, really good one. Uh, J.C. Treader, hopefully, you know, going into a contract here, but hopefully not going into the end of his career here in Cleveland. For me, this, this is a tough one here because, and I, it, it, I almost want to say Nick Chubb. I don't. It's not that I think people are forgetting about Nick Chubb, but I think just with the amount of weapons and obviously Odell. And the more and more, ah, what the hell, I'll just go with Nick Chubb. The more and more people want to talk about Baker Mayfield, I think people forget about just how impressive Nick Chubb was in such a small amount last year. Granted, he didn't get the 1,000 yards, and obviously you know, and had the 1,000 yards, ended up losing it. Um, but I keep going back to this. I mean, you have so much you have to worry about with the passing game, whether it's Odell Beckham, whether it's obviously you know the relationship Baker has with Rashard Higgins. It's this, the freak athlete at tight end, David Njoku. Um, you know, Antonio Callaway, who you know, is going to be very, very difficult to handle from the mismatch side of the ball. I mean, you know, I'm sorry, at any side of the ball, because he'd be able to provide such a mismatch. Uh, you have Landry, who should be able to excel from the slot. How are you going to stop the run with this team? How are you going to stop Nick Chubb? And I think Nick Chubb is going to it's going to be easily close to five yards to carry. I think he's going to be able to do anything he wants from the running back position because if you're going to crowd the box, you're going to get burnt. You're going it, it, you, it, There's just no way around it. There is just too much firepower at the receiving positions, the tight end position, that you can't crowd the box. You can't put too much. You, you can't put the attention you're going to need to stop a guy like Nick Chubb. So, yeah, I will make it Nick Chubb. Um, and it does seem weird to say don't forget about it, but I think this is what happens when you know the, the growth that Baker has become within the league and obviously the player he became so quickly. And when you add Odell, obviously, you know, the lightning rod that he is, I don't think people understand that Nick Chubb should easily, sir, you know, easily amass, uh, depending on Kareem Hunt, what he does in the second half, 15 total, 1,500 total yards without giving much of an effort. Um, this brings us over to the needs to rebound. Um, somebody, uh, you know, look, I mean, you know, the roster spots are going to be getting tighter and tighter as the years go on here, Pete. So somebody's going to need to rebound here or maybe 2020, they're not going to be in the cards. Uh, I've got Trevon Coley. Um, he was nothing short of dreadful last year. Um, he had half a sack and half a tackle for loss and he was technically a starter. Um, he, it's not like he was great in 2017, but he was certainly better than that. Um, and the hope is that, you know, they've got Sheldon Richardson to come in and start, which is great. Uh, that's a huge upgrade. But if Trevon Coley can, can, 
you know, have, take a big step forward in, in year three for him here. Uh, and, you know, in, in part because he's not going to be asked to start at this point, short of an injury situation, that, you know, that those two things will sort of combine and he can have a much better year and hopefully be a contributor because – uh, obviously, the season there began potentially to go out and try to chase down more defensive tackle help, and that's certainly not where you want to be on the cusp of the season. Something they probably should be doing anyway. Um, you can't just say, and I go back to this, you can't just say, oh, man, we really, really like Gerald McCoy, and, well, never mind. You know, we're okay with what we have. It, it just still doesn't jive to me, and I'd love somebody to explain that further. Uh, for me, I'm going to go here with Christian Kirksey because, look, Injuries were one thing, and but even without the injuries, Christian Kirksey was having a really, really tough time. Obviously, Joe Schobert lapped him in a very, very short amount of time as being the best linebacker on this team, and it wasn't even close. But you know, uh, similar to points, uh, piece point earlier is you've got two rookies beyond that, and they have guys that you pretty much have slated for special teamwork, and you really weren't. You're not. You know, neither Ray Ray wasn't brought back. The guy from Tampa wasn't really brought in here with the anticipation of them being starting linebackers on this team. Um, I don't know if that's the route they want to go with Jannard Avery. I think they really like what he brought them as a you know a third you know pass rushing specialist, things of that nature. So you really need Christian Kirksey to you know be able to help. Look, I mean that you know you need to get better in the run game. There's no doubt about that. Uh, dramatic drop off from 2017 to 2018. One of the few places where the Cleveland Browns were not as good in 2018. Look, some of that's going to fall on the you know on the uh, on the interior defensive line play there's obviously you know can't skip over that but Christian Kirksey there needs to be another linebacker out there you can't ask Joe to do everything and I think that's where you know some of you folks who have the issues with Joe Schubert that you do that's kind of where they come from but you know linebackers work as a unit and everybody has their assignment and if only one guy is doing it uh, they're not going to be that great because one guy can't do the job of three no matter how great of a player that person is. So for me, the needs-to-rebound player will be Christian Kirksey. Dark Horse Team MVP in 2019. And Pete, I mean, it's weird to say Dark Horse because right off the... I mean, if you're just talking about guys who could be Team MVP, there's a million of them. Obviously, most of it starts with the quarterback. But there are a lot of guys who could make their mark in this. Right. Um, if it's not Baker Mayfield, it's because it's Miles Garrett. So, you know, if you're talking under the radar, that's where I go with Nick Chubb is, uh, you know, the, the Browns uh, obviously made a huge step forward when they went from Tyrod Taylor to Baker Mayfield, but they, you know, didn't really hit their stride sort of offensively until they got rid of the dead weight that was Carlos Hyde uh, and, and put in uh, Nick Chubb. And, and obviously, you know, he was, you know, certainly Baker Mayfield was great, uh, great for a rookie, great in general, um, but Nick Chubb was able to take a lot of pressure off of him because teams could load up boxes and he would still thrive. Um, and obviously this year, you know, the, the thought process is with Odell Beckham and, and those additions that and, and Baker Mayfield hopefully taking another step forward, that that's going to be more and more difficult to do, which should only make more opportunities and running lanes for Nick Chubb. Um, he, 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 he either led or was near the top. I'm fairly sure he led the league as a rookie it, with yards after contact. Uh, he was near the top of the league in yards per carry. Uh, you know, he was great. And all this was with questions about what he could do in the passing game. And I think he answered a lot of those, particularly with that touchdown catch against the Bengals. But if he can add to that part of his game, the amount of yardage he can get, get uh, even in those first eight games could be enormous. Like he, you know, shows the talent of a guy who can who can put up you know two thousand total yards um, in, in the first eight games. He could certainly flirt with a thousand. I don't know if they'll give him enough opportunities to do that, but he is a guy who can obviously he has the ability that home run threat. Uh, he's a guy who who can you know break open games. He obviously did that. Uh, in multiple games last year, particularly against the AFC West, he has a penchant for beating the shit out of uh, the Raiders and the Broncos. Um, this becomes a situation where, you know, if Baker Mayfield, for whatever reason, isn't hitting like he should in particular game, Nick Chubb has the, has the ability to sort of make sure the Browns stay 
in it offensively. And then, you know, hopefully Baker Mayfield rounds into form and makes, you know, the plays he needs to. But if, especially if there's, there's going to be a game where, you know, for whatever reason, the defense is able to hold maybe Baker Mayfield at bay a little bit. The game's maybe low scoring and Nick Chubb could be the guy that sort of breaks that open. And I think he's going to have substantial value in general, I, I think he did last year, but you know, he's if you're talking about dark horses, he seems like the dark horse guy. If you go to, I'm sorry, I'm going to go here with Denzel Ward. Um, it's really difficult when you have a stud at the quarterback position. You have a stud pass rusher in Miles Garrett, but you go with what Denzel Ward was doing early in the year. You go to week one, Pittsburgh, the two interceptions. You go to the first Raven game where you got to overtime with a blocked field goal, uh, interception in that game, and then the injuries started to become a little bit of issue. Um, if you can get, you know, 16 games out of Denzel Ward, who was looking, you know, even made the Pro Bowl with just, you know, what he did, uh, you know, which wasn't a full season. But if you can get a full statistical season out of Denzel Ward and you get to see him covering the likes of Juju two times a year, Boyd, Greed, and Cincinnati, um, what you're going to see from you know whatever the Ravens passing game may be, look, it's a mystery to everybody at this point. Um, you Obviously, you're going to get the Cardinals, the Patriots. going to be a lot of teams throwing the ball against the team, A, because that's what they do and that's their M.O., but also B, because most likely the Browns are going to be in – Ahead in a lot of these games, and you know, let's see if Denzel Ward can truly flourish into that number four overall pick, which we saw at times last year. There was a lot of that, and he was really, really bringing the goods, forcing a ton of turnovers, which you'd love to see from your cornerbacks. So for me, Dark Horse MVP would be Denzel Ward. Under the radar, I mean, it's... You either have the stars of this team, but or you have the under the radar, but uh, under the radar, 2019 Cleveland Brown, Pete. Uh, I have Richard Higgins, and it's increasingly the uh, local fan base is becoming more aware of how good he is, though it's still not there. Nationally, he's a non-factor. Um, it's still regarded as Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry and others. Uh, when Higgins was better than Landry was last year, uh, could very well be better than him again this year, could find himself being the second uh, receiver, ultimately, and that's based on what how May- Mayfield values him. Um, and I think if that begins to happen again, I will be really surprised if you know they don't start to sort of uh, make that change on the field uh, and go with the guys that that Baker has the most connection with. Um, maybe uh, Landry will be better in that area, but uh, Higgins has uh, you know outside of that. Time he missed, and, and particularly, you know, as the season wore on, he, he he's a guy who just kept coming up with big plays and big spots, and they weren't just converting a first down. They were touchdowns. They were some big plays. There were some uh, good opportunities for him to go out there and, and make a big catch, and he showed off some yak ability and, and just doing a lot of things. He's got great feet and balance, uh, and he's a really good complement for – uh, Beckham and uh, Callaway, uh, I, you know, we'll, I'm curious to see if he can develop and, and contribute in the slot. That may still be an area where he's not utilized much. But in terms of, you know, if you're trying to lo- line up your best two boundary receivers, um, it's it's going to be Beckham and then Higgins. And it's it, it, it may be a question of when does Callaway catch Higgins – but again, I'm not convinced that at least for another year it won't be Higgins, and and we may have to revisit the conversation if he has a good enough year of if they can get him back on a cheaper contract somehow that ultimately they don't have to choose Higgins over Landry in 2020. Uh, well, I mean that. I mean, look, you're going to have to start saving some ducats somewhere, and you know, you go to the Atlanta game, the catch in the end zone, uh, the home the uh, home finale against the Bengals, you know, the catch and the the yak into dive to the pylon. Uh, Rashard is just an intelligent player, and you pair him with an intelligent quarterback and Baker Mayfield, as talented as he is, and it's you see it, it's it, it's clicked from day one. It clicked at when they were twos. Um, obviously moved on from Corey Coleman. Eventually Baker got the gig. It made things more comfortable for Higgins because you know he was kind of already. Kind 
kind of like the QB's right-hand man. Obviously, Odell's going to take a lot of that from everybody. There's no doubt about it. But you have a special, special guy in Rashard Higgins, and just that him and Baker are so in sync, and I, they see the game similarly at the line of scrimmage. They see it, you know, as the play develops. Rashard Higgins, uh, you know, worth his weight in gold. And look, I mean, if you can find a way where you're going to move on from the large amount of cap space that Jarvis Landry commands, and it's a three-year, $15 million contract for Rashard Higgins, who probably will always be worth more in Cleveland than he will be anywhere else, it's something you certainly got to explore as, you know, these young guys, you know, getting closer and closer to contract extensions. Something you're going to have to think about. Um, maybe they're, uh, they're, he may be their Dion Branch, so to speak. Um, you know, a guy who you know, was great with, with Tom Brady. They traded him for a first-round pick to Seattle. I still can't believe that happened. He did nothing for the Seahawks and ultimately went back to the Patriots. Yes, so he got a first-round pick, and then eventually got your toy back. So there is that. Um, me, I guess I'm gonna go. I'll go here with Jannard Avery, and maybe this should, would just be more nationally. Um, but you think about what he did last year, where there was a defensive line that was, you know, really just Miles and Larry. Um, but now you add in obviously Sheldon Richardson, you add in Olivier Vernon. Um, Jannard Avery could be a sneaky candidate to get double digits in sacks. Because when he comes onto the field, if it's Sheldon, if it's Olivier, if it's Miles, Larry, whatever, if Gernard Avery comes in as the fourth guy, he's going to be the least important guy as far as pass protection that you're going to. We watched him use his country boy strength to drop 300-pound dudes flat on their ass. Um, you, you saw the agility. You saw the speed. Um, the other thing is... is he is smart enough as now will only be a second-year player where a lot of times, even if he's not getting home, he can find a way to get his hand on the ball, He gets the ball loose. Jannard Avery is a special, special talent and definitely under the radar as far as the league is concerned. I do believe the Browns fans hold him in pretty high esteem, but hopefully we can, you know, Christian Kirksey and one of the rookies can step up where Jannard Avery can just be part of that defensive line group, which should be a very, very special unit. And Jannard Avery, yeah, I, I could see a scenario in where Jannard Avery, you know, ends up, you know, knocking on the door for 10 sacks in 2019. Um, guys, the best way for you guys to help Pete and I as we continue to put out content for you guys, um, for Pete, uh, sign, Browns Maven, go ahead, sign up. Uh, be a member over there. You know, you're allowed to comment through the articles, comment back and forth. Uh, just, you know, a bunch of people have them. Uh, some of them maybe you don't want to converse with so much or whatever, but you can always skip over those comments as well. Um, but uh, go ahead, sign up for a membership over at Browns Maven. Help Pete out. iTunes rating reviews, um, whatever podcasting app you listen to, make sure you subscribe to the show, Locked On Browns. Um, you know, drop ratings, drop reviews. I do appreciate it. Just helps the show grow and. I get at least one to two, one if not two new people a day where they're just finding the show now. They appreciate what we do, and obviously, you know, any Brands fan, Browns fan right now, they're looking just for more and more content. As you know, I, this is looking, you know, to be as special of a season as it possibly can be in a long, long, long time. So, you know, just appreciate it. That's one way you guys can help us out. Get yourself a membership over at Maven. Get yourself, uh, you know, iTunes rating reviews or whatever podcasting app you use. Please go ahead and take care of that. All right, we do have a couple of listener questions. Well, this one here, the first one, is only going to apply to me, but I will take it, and I do always appreciate Giovanni Ravise for his questions. Let me just see where I can find it here. In honor of Baker Mayfield's wedding yesterday, and again, congratulations to Baker and his bride, Emily. My favorite moment from my wedding. Whew, uh, favorite moment, that's a tough one. Um, it was a good day. I remember every day of it. I think I would, uh, I guess I would say seeing my wife for the first time. Um, there's just something about seeing your bride on her wedding day and they just almost give off the princess look. And it was the first thing I said to her. I was like, my God, you look like a princess. And uh, yeah, I'm sure she mumbled something like, uh, shut the fuck up or something like that. Cause we love to break each other's balls, but, uh, you know, it's just seeing it and it's the realness of it. I mean, look, you know, you're a guy, you know, you put on a suit or whatever, you put on a suit to go to a wedding, you put on a tuxedo to be in a wedding. Even if you put on a tuxedo and it is your own wedding, there's just something about seeing your bride. And for us, it was a uh, late October. Uh, we had to do pictures before the wedding, um, because obviously if we were going to do outdoor pictures, the ceremony was at six. That was no way to do that in the dark, but that was just, that was it. And it brought the realness to it. Uh, she looked amazing. Uh, Mrs. L, you are a rock star. Appreciate you every day, darling. And almost 15 years later now. Um, okay. Well, this is, uh, another one from Giovanni. Non-Browns question, favorite major league baseball all-star memory. I've got one. I'll let you go first here, Pete. <laughs> 
mean, it's not like I, I have a bunch of them, but I guess if I the, the one that stands out when I, when I saw this was uh, uh, Randy Johnson throwing over John Crook's head. <laughs> that was fun. John Crook then got on the very, very, very edge of the batter's box and basically waved at a couple balls that ran by him, uh, which was, I guess, a light moment in the All-Star game. But uh, he at least acted like if he wasn't uh, legitimately terrified, uh, uh, ultimately struck out and walked back to the dugout happily to have his life still intact. But, yeah. That was a good one. I'm going to go with uh, Bo Jackson, and forgive me for not remembering the year, but leading off um, the All-Star game. I know I remember it was in Anaheim. I remember the starting pitcher was from the San Francisco Giants, Rick Russell. And, you know, Rick was Rick Russell was having a fantastic year, came in and fired out the fastball, and Bo hit it about 470. And just everybody on that field looking at Bo Jackson like, who in the freaking hell is this dude? And, and, you know, it's still, if there's probably one thing I could fix in sports, and it was to totally see what Bo Jackson would have been. Would he, after a year or so, decided it's going to be one sport over the other? Would he have continued to dominate two? Um, Bo Jackson was just that dude. And I remember that there was a 30 for 30 years ago on him, and, uh, Auburn played Maryland. Boomer Esiason was the quarterback at Maryland at the time, and uh, I remember you know Boomer. They you know Boomer had you know some you know some uh, voice pieces in the and him talking to his coach at the time, and he's looking at Bo Jackson warm up, and he says, "Well, where do we get guys like this?" He's like, "This guy is bigger than our defensive tackle, and he's the fastest guy on the field." Bo Jackson was just the rarest of rare athletes, and if there's one sports you know wrong I could fix for me, it would be. Get Bo Jackson, even if it was football, baseball, I don't care. I would have liked to have seen another decade or so of Bo Jackson because that's how special it was, and it just seems as soon and as big as it got and as quick as it got, you know, it was like a birthday candle, and the flame was burnt out, and it just, it sucks. Uh, it just, if that truly sucks. All right, this would be from at Skag Daddy. Now, this is a long one, okay. Why doesn't the league put more incentives on winning on the next contract? In lieu of the guaranteed money and whatever else they fight about, I mean, every player on every team that makes it to the playoffs gets an absurd amount of money that is usually depicted to their stats. So instead of stats being one of the only things that gets your paycheck, winning might also be a large factor. I understand this is done in some contracts already, but I'm talking about league-wide, even if it's just 100k each for player for every single, every regular season win or something silly. Uh, I, I understand the idea of it. I do. I don't think you're ever going to get the Players Association to sign off on this, Pete. No, it's it, what agents aren't going to do this. Uh, it, it, again, this isn't like uh, there isn't enough control, save for a very few choice players or positions that can impact that enough and. You know, I'm I'm sure the hundred thousand he's throwing out there is just an example, but that's also peanuts um, for what you're asking. I mean, if you're saying that you know this would replace uh, something else, then that would be millions upon millions of dollars. But again, you're not going to do that. You're going to focus. I mean, there are certainly some contracts that have incentives, and I think largely a lot of those are stupid, um, but. The real focus is guaranteed money and ultimately what you're going to get and when you're going to get it. Uh, and, and the rest of it, you don't want to leave to shit happens um, or, you know, something else comes up or, you know, you're on a team and, and, and you think it's going to go a certain way and they and they go a different way. You know, they ultimately decide that, you know, basically to bag it on the season or whatever. Uh, so. There, there's no good reason for agents to want to agree to that. Uh, could it happen? I suppose theoretically, but in general, it's just not smart business. Uh, the other part of that is, you know, teams teams probably aren't don't love this idea either. Um, the the big issue is it's very difficult to deal with this under a salary cap you, unless you're unless you're suggesting that basically. This is in lieu of the salary cap that because, you know, if you're handing out a bunch of money based on wins, somebody's going to have to pay out a ton at the end of the year. 
uh, and that would theoretically screw the salary cap. So there's a bunch of problems with this in moving parts. Um, you know, when it comes to dealing with, with this, you're basically – this idea is talking about a much bigger change and I think uh, is being – you know, the, the, than is being realized here perhaps. Um, you have to – Figure out a way to – if you're dealing with this under a salary cap, and if you're saying get rid of the salary cap, that's its own thing. But if you want to get into the contract, uh, the the uh, collective bargaining agreement, look at it from that standpoint. But again, I don't think there's much reason for really agents or the teams to really want to move on this. I think both sides like being able to know exactly what they're paying out short of some very small percentage of it. Uh, but yeah, the, the, what should be happening is a, at least a much larger portion of contracts should be guaranteed. Uh, so we have less, less of that stuff to worry about. I think one of your other big obstacles here is, is where would you be as far as competitive balance within the league? Um, there, there wouldn't be much because it would be, you know, like right now, I mean, you know, if you redid this free agency run, well, you know, if this is going to be somewhat of a factor, then, you know, I'm going to go to the Rams, I'm going to go to the Chargers, I'm going to, you know, you wouldn't have a competitively balanced league. And look, and even if you were, you know, for some of these players, and, you know, just to use the example, say Jarvis Landry moves on from the Browns in 2019 um, and is looking for work 2020, he knows if he can go to a crappier team where the ball is going to be in the air 40 to 50 times a game he can get his 10 receptions 100 yards and you know make some money back that way through statistical achievements um you know and obviously you know winning is you know so much goes into it and you know what if something looks really good on paper a team and then you get two to three devastating injuries it's you know yeah i i'm all for rewarding the winning but there's I, I, there's no way to you know satisfy the players with that idea. Um, these guys want to know have a really good idea of what they're making. You know, obviously going into it and up front. Um, thank you guys for the questions. Um, let's see here, uh, Pete. Uh, League wise, you know, a couple of days off. Anything we've missed? Anything we should get to? You know, other than you know, did we get a, a Mary Kay piece on you know or you know Tony Grossi? You know. Possibly, you know, dissing the wedding, dissing the alcohol, the way the food was served. Did the chicken not meet the side dishes? Were any of these? If they, if there are, I have not seen them. Uh, you know, it, at least for the moment, certainly sounds like you know this was a a media not allowed event, uh, which doesn't stun know. anybody. <laughs> well, I mean, that's one of those where you know it's potential potentially a situation where you know they could sell you know photos or access or whatever to some to a particular company or whatever or whatever and make make a bunch of money on that it doesn't sound like that was done i think they you know they basically kept it a private thing which is fine uh i don't think anything of particular note happened uh this weekend it really seems like it's been quiet and mostly people have been arguing about the various the various values of uh uh men's sports versus women's sports I may be guilty of that. I may be. But look, I, I, I just, you know, for so many people, and apparently there's this one here with a bunch of them. Oh, well, the U.S. women lost a, a scrimmage to uh, you know, a, a U15 team. Uh, where's the incentive for the U.S. women in that? If they Look, they won a World Cup game 13 and nothing, and people did nothing but criticize for them. Um, I think it was three or four days before they were actually playing a game that meant something. Look, if 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 your goal today was to diminish women's athletics and to make men more superior, it was just not your day today. Just sit this one out. Maybe today was the day to to close the Twitter app, put it down, put it to the size, to the side. Fun day, fun day for U.S. And if it's something you truly don't care about, don't worry about it. You won't see the U.S. women playing in the World Cup for a while. So that's what you're here for, by all means. Pete Browns Maven, what's the latest? Um, so up today was a thing on, uh, the former Purdue quarterback, David Blau, uh, which is apparently how you pronounce it. And I'm pretty positive any of the number of times I guessed, uh, before that on this show, what I never guessed Blau, uh, blow, bluff, blue, whatever, uh, block, 
any of those. I don't think I ever managed to to uh, hit on on Blau. Um, I, I watched some of his tape and went through some of his throws. It's kind of interesting. Um, and then you know there'll be more of that uh, going forward. Uh, yeah, that whole we- Purdue team though had a tough year. Obviously, you had the you know the the one super fan who ended up you know losing his battle. Um, and then obviously David offering two hundred and fifty dollars for any Madden players. Uh, go ahead and fire up Madden twenty, and if you can win the, I think it was it league MVP and Super Bowl MVP. David's willing to give you a cool two fifty. So go ahead, and you're up for the challenge. Go for it. Right. Um. Yeah. So I found you know I I, I don't know if anybody knew who he knew outside of maybe some hardcore Purdue fans knew what his name was. Uh, but uh, rather. Uh, Outside of just being sort of the answer to a trivia question of what was the quarterback that beat the shit out of Ohio State, um, but he is kind of interesting. And even if you watch the Ohio State game, you're not going to sit there and go, "Wow, you know this guy." You know, I, I can see why this guy's so good. It, it's it's not like he ripped them apart. It was a lot of just being a smart quarterback, and there is something to be said for that. Um, he's probably a practice squad guy, but he is interesting. So. Uh, that's what I did today. Tomorrow it will be on uh, somebody. Another def- oh, uh, Anthony Zettel tomorrow, and and we will keep rolling through. Um, so there you go, guys. You got that. Um, uh, Browns Maven, obviously, make sure you're following over there. Um, make sure you are signed up for an account, brownsmaven.com. Uh, check that out, obviously. Um, make sure you're following Pete at underscore Pete Smith. Uh, the Locked On Browns Twitter account. As always, it is a follow-back account, at underscore, I'm sorry, not even, at Locked On Browns, all lowercase. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, you appreciate everybody that follows and everything you do. If you need anything, be sure to uh, ping a DM over to the Locked account. Uh, a lot of fun questions. I know I get a lot of the, the folks who listen over in Europe asking questions there because they do get a little nervous, you know, with, you know, their language and, you know, as far as how it looks in a tweet and they just don't want to deal with the Twitter nonsense. Can 110% totally respect that, guys. Um, you know, ratings, reviews, obviously, guys, make sure you're checking out everything over at Maven, you know, help Pete out over there. Uh, obviously, uh, for the show itself, you know, Ratings, reviews, whatever uh, uh, podcasting app you use, appreciate it as well. Um, we're going to continue to plow on through here, guys. Look, at this couple of weeks is going to go by pretty quickly. Enjoy your summer. Um, we're going to have real football here to talk about soon enough. And look, guys, again, another slash on the calendar. Another day Browns-wise where no news is good news, which is hopefully the trend we get to continue to keep. Um, with that, this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.